You know, I guess my uh, natural questioning nature came out this weekend. Earlier in the weekend, the question popped in my mind. As I'm sitting in that truck all day, I think of random things. And, and the question came to my mind, why is our salvation known as being born again? And I kind of dwelt on that all week. And then, of course, Brother Leon asked me to preach this morning. That's natural. It comes to my mind. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, I want to try to do the word, answer the question, nothing else for myself. Why is our salvation known as being born again? And we're going to start out in the Gospel of John, the third chapter. As it's always often said, everyone that knows the Scripture and is truly a student of the Word will know where I'm going with these verses. So John chapter 3, starting at verse 1, I'll read 1, just 1 and 2. When you get there, if you would, please stand. In the Word of God, in the King James Version of the Bible, says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles, these miracles that these that thou do, except God is to be with him. God please help me pray. Dear most gracious Son of God, Lord, we pray to Lord, thank you for this honor and opportunity to share your word. Now, Lord, I thank you. You let your anointing rest upon me, Lord. You let the word that you have deposited in my heart come forth in a manner that is not only worthy of you, but that will land upon a receiving heart that they may grow in grace and, and honor of this word. And Lord, you let us truly understand when we leave here why our salvation experience is truly known as being born again. Lord, I love you and praise you and ask you to hide you by the cross. Lord, let people not look at me, but let them look to you. Jesus, name of Christ, amen. You may be yeah. yeah, John, the Gospel of John, the third chapter of it, verses 1 and 2. But we're going to go through, but keep that open, we're going to go through verse 8. But anyway, these first two verses to me is just simply uh, stating plainly that Nicodemus knows that Jesus is a man come from God, because so it doesn't clearly say no one can do the miracles he did except that God be with them. But what confuses me, just a little historical note, Nicodemus was of the Sanhedrin, one of the, not only the most educated, but he was one of the wealthiest men in Jerusalem at that time. And it's kind of interesting to me, he was the leader of the church, leader of the Jews, but he was also one of the wealthiest men in time. And of course, I love, in fairness, I used the finish date Bible. As someone teased me when I first got, I said, I see you finally got saved and got a date Bible. You know, you're supposed, supposedly you're supposed to be using Day Bible for Pentecost. But I like to know it for a simple reason. It, to me, it's kind of clear. Yes, it is, with a little bit of a Pentecostal plant, the finished day for the Assembly of God, theologian. And he, what he says, we could, I'm going to paraphrase what he says about Nicodemus coming at night. And I've always thought, well, he was ashamed because Jesus was being first. He was, it wasn't popular this time to be a, a Jesus follower. That's not necessarily true. There's no history to prove that. But what this does prove, and then when we get to verse 3, we're going to see Jesus make a strange statement. Here, Nicodemus basically comes praising him. And we know that you are a teacher come from God because no man can do the miracles you do except God be with him. And what is Jesus' answer? Verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be Born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, 
How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So first off, verse 3 tells me that Jesus truly knew what Nicodemus was thinking. He wasn't there to praise Jesus. He wasn't there to acknowledge who Jesus was. And verse 4 kind of proves that. that he, in fact, he probably left confused. But as we're going to see here in the scripture, he was only looking at the natural. He had just made a statement to Jesus. We know that you are a teacher come from God, and no man can do the miracles you have done except the Lord be with you. And then Jesus comes up and says, let one be born again. That was a new teaching. That wasn't anything in the law. I don't like, you know, as as it's always said, I don't claim to be a theologian. I don't even really claim to be a real knowledgeable of the Bible, but I can't recall anywhere in the Old Testament except for the prophecies of Jesus being born of the Virgin, of anything being born again. It was all about God. So here Jesus, Nicodemus, was a man that should have known clearly who Jesus was, just simply by the work. Once again, he, he declared his faith in who Jesus was as far as the work that he was done coming from God. And then Jesus goes and lets one be born again. So I truly have to feel that Jesus knew he didn't need to come for Christ, and Jesus didn't come for Christ. He knew what was really in Nicodemus' heart, and a little to jump a little forward, there's nothing to do with the lesson, but Nicodemus was also one of the leaders that did eventually declare, I believe, publicly his faith in the Lord. But wasn't he one of the ones that went with uh, the other rich man to get Christ's body off the cross? But what we're seeing in the purpose of this message is why is our born-again experience connect to our salvation? Let's look real close. I'm a teacher in nature, so I have to clearly teach the scripture. Jesus answered that in barely, barely I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Yeah, we're going to, I'll get there in a minute. I'm still in verse 3. The word see is what I'm going to look at in verse 3. Once again, because Nicodemus is clearly in the natural. When you see the word see in verse 3, it says that he cannot see the kingdom of God. That has nothing to do with natural vision. That word means that actual, to declare, to perceive, to clearly perceive what the kingdom of God is. Because another place in the gospel... What would Jesus ask about the kingdom? He said, the kingdom of God is within you. So we know there that we are within the kingdom of God as we speak. If we're born again, if we're saved. But to truly acknowledge and actually understand and to truly perceive what the kingdom of God is, you have to be born again. And once again, verse 4 clearly shows Nicodemus' confusion. He is not looking at anything spiritual. Because to me, for someone so educated to make a statement, and this thought just came to me. We all believe here that the Word of God is inspired Word of God. Every word in our Bible was inspired or breathed by God. And the Apostle John was directed to the Holy Spirit to recount this. And the stupidest statement ever made is in the Bible. For Nicodemus, an educated Teacher, to say, how can one be born again? Can we enter a second time? Show that God intends for us to look past the natural word. He intends for us to look past what is read and 
and what we read in here. Because think about it. How can you read verse 4 and not think, well, that's just plump stupid. I'm just being real, people. <laughs> but we want to, yeah, i got to make a statement like this. We want to hold this to be so holy and so pure and direct, and it is. But if you don't really take time to look at this word and to realize what it says, you're not going to make it. And that's all I hope to get to. Verse 5, Jesus answered. Once again, Jesus is still in the same crap. He got thrown off by his, I feel Jesus could rebuke him, and he does later. Jesus, verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou uh, hearest the sound thereof, but cannot, cannot tell where it cometh and where it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. In, in verse 5, where it says, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter. Now, and I, I agree here with my. My notes. A lot of people want to think born of water and water baptism. We clearly know, and we have clearly been taught in the church, we don't believe that baptism is connected to salvation. But this, when it says born of water and of the Spirit, is clearly connected to salvation. So it cannot be water baptism. And obviously, Nicodemus is an old man. He's already been born. It can't be natural birth. I want to read something. Water is used in a figurative sense. This is note from my Bible. And he said a whole lot clearer than I can. Water is used in the figurative sense of salvation, of the spirit, baptism, and of cleansing by the word of God. Since men are cleansed and born again by the word, it is, it is clear that being born of water means being born again by the word of God. And every one of us came to salvation through the word of God. Through accepting what Christ did. We had to acknowledge that it says in Romans. You believe, confess your mouth, believe in your heart. So without the word of God, you're not going to be born again. Without the word of God, you're never going to be cleansed. And we all know water cleanses. All through the scripture, water, you know, it's like the oil represents the spirit. We know that. So I fully agree that water, born of water clearly means born of the word. But what cleanses us beside the blood of Christ? The word. And how does the blood of Christ cleanse us? But through the word. We don't actually, we were not ever actually under the blood of Christ. But it's through the word that cleanses us. So water, born of water, clearly means born of the word. Because naturally, we all know that is flesh. You know, it was talked about this morning. The spirit wars against the flesh, wars against the spirit. The spirit wars against the flesh. We all we, we all love to say, "Well, I don't want to do anything in the flesh." And as I always say, I would much rather do something that is in the flesh for the Lord than to be of the Lord and not do it. Yes, we should pray for the sermon, but the statement here which says that which is born of the flesh 
and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Clear and simply, once again, back to why does our salvation connect to being born again? Birth is the most natural thing in creation. All of us, no matter how old or young you are, eventually will learn, and, and especially adults, clearly know that birth is a natural thing. Because think about how did Jesus come from heaven, fully God, fully man? He came to this earth through birth. Why? Because he had to be transformed as human. You only come to humanity through birth. If Jesus had to be born again, because he was not, he was fully God, but yet fully human. How did he become human? Through birth. And what a clear example of our walk with the Lord. Jesus came as a defenseless child. 100% reliant on everyone. When a believer first comes to Christ, if they're not 100% reliable on the Holy Spirit, they're not going to make it. How many of us know somebody that all appearances, they were saved, they were born, I'm not going to talk about salvation, but it didn't last. I did it at 18. I made a sincere perfection of faith at 18. It lasted about six months. So obviously, I was not born again. I had a wonderful emotional encounter. I felt for six months I was living a Christian life. But at 39, when I got up off my knees, I knew I was born again. I had experienced that new birth. Because the, the new birth is, is literally being, and I'm getting ahead of my notes a little bit, but being born again literally means, this is what the term in the Bible that we just read, born again literally means there must be a transformation from God and renewal in righteousness and true holiness to be saved. So when you're born again, you are transformed. You're a new creation. Doesn't the Bible even say that? Old things are passed away. Otherwise, you're literally not the same person. And everyone that has truly embraced the born-again experience knows that. When you are truly born-again, no one can tell you different. You may stumble, you may fall, but you really know in your heart. If you're truly born-again, you're going to have that guilt, and you're going to eventually come to repentance. If the people that have the emotional encounter with the preacher or the song or the whatever, that's, that go back into the world. Now, I'm not saying, because I clearly, you all know me, I clearly believe you can backslide. Yes, no man, as my bastard brothers will say, every time I'll mention that, well, no man can take you. No, no man can snatch you from my father's hand. But you can walk away from it. That's right. When you turn your back and walk away, that's it. Until you let you come back. Thank God for that. But the thing is, when you are truly born again, you are truly changed. That better, uh, I can't hear myself because I'm hearing anything. But the thing is, the, one to remember, the phrase born again literally means there must be a transformation. I'm going to rephrase that. When you're truly born, there is a transformation. Everyone that is truly born again knows that. You're that new creation. You don't desire the same thing. Yes, the longer you live in a certain lifestyle, you may battle with that. But eventually, you're going to walk away from that when you're truly born again. Again, I want to I want to pick on Nicodemus a little bit more because he was the ruler of the law, and as I said, he clearly listened to Jesus. It only seemed natural. 
But isn't that really what the law leads you to? And I'm not just talking about the law, the Moses, the Old Testament. When you live by the law, the law is what you have to do and what you can't do. When you live by what you do, you know, this morning Sister Sue talked about the first off, little John, Brother John talked about if your faith is in baptism, your faith, I'll talk about me. If your faith is in all these things that you should do, it's not going to work. How many have tried to pray or have a way? Didn't work. How many, and there's a common teaching out there now, you buy my little communion kit, you take communion every day for so many days and you'll get victory over this. You fast so many days, you'll get victory over this. Yes, all those things are right, but that is where your faith is. Guess what you've turned all these wonderful, holy, religious doctrines but a work into an idol. It's not the prayer that does anything. It's not the fasting that does it. It's the belief in God. That's why we have to know where our faith and what, even being born again. Most people connect being, well, I'm born again. I'm going, I go to church. I'm born again. I have no more problems. I'm born again, so I'm going to do this, this, and this. If you have to effortly do this, this, and this, have you truly transformed and went back into true righteousness? As I share with you all, one of my favorite songs, I think it's Psalm 139. Create me a clean heart. Create means you've got to give us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. That spirit, this heart, our emotions, our, our pain. But it's our spirit, when we're truly born again, we get that new, that spirit brought back to where God intended for us to be. That's why I love, I don't know where this came from, but that's why I love when Paul stayed on in the first Corinthians, the teaching of Paul to do that spirit. Foolish. Religion, Christianity, to the world is foolish. Why? Because it's not about what we do, it's about who we, we serve and where our faith is. That's the reason the world is so against Christianity. We don't have to roll on the ground 15 times. To, we don't have to go to the Pope and, and confess. We don't have to kiss his ring. We don't have to do all this. We just simply believe. We don't have to go to any man to get to God. And that is foolishness to the world because why? Because they are not transformed back to the way they were created. God created us for fellowship with them. And when you're born again, you get back to that natural state. Yes, unfortunately, we're bound with this flesh. That's why it says that is born of flesh. And once again, the word born there means that which embraces flesh. And that is your focus, what you can do. But the Spirit is not about what you can do. It's about who you serve. And yes, you will do. Yes, you will pray. Yes, you will fast. Yes, you will. All of this with the right mindset. Because you are brought back to what God intended. So think about it. When, in, in, in the very beginning, when God decided to create man, He said, what? Let us form man in our own image. That word image has nothing to do with it. Appearance. You know, I heard one preacher say, you know what God looks like? Look at nature. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry now. That word image means represent the form or figure. And when we're born again, we're brought back to where we can have that fellowship with God. Because when we're truly born again, we have accepted what Christ did for us. We have accepted and acknowledged that He paid the debt that we couldn't pay us upon. So when we're born again, 
We are brought back to the place where we can have that instant access to God through the name of Christ. We don't have to go to any man. We don't have to do all these steps. It's not 12 steps. It's one step. Amen. Very simply. But you have to be born again. Otherwise, you have to be completely transformed. And with that, let's turn back to Matthew. Turn over to Gospel Matthew. Don't mean insulting about the first book of the New Testament. Go with me to verse chapter 18, read verse 2 and 3. Everybody's going to get there because I'm sorry I like turning the book to it. And I cheated. I have my mark already. Matthew chapter 18, verse 2. And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the, in the midst of him and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as a little child, as, as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Once again, when he said, except ye be converted, it's just another way of saying, lest ye be born again. And that word convert literally means transformed. Yes, I mean, I'm going to show my age. I still like the movie. We're transformers, folks. When you accept Christ, you become a transformer. And you know what's sad about that? The reason I just made that analogy, unfortunately, Yes, we can, we can transform it Sunday morning. I'm going to put my Christian smile on. I'm going to put my happy Christian face. I'm going to come to church. But just as easy as I transform to that, I can go to the workplace. Oh, now I'm at the workplace. As I shared with you a, a very well-known doctor, I said something about the Lord. He said, oh, no, no. Don't talk about it. We've got to leave that for church. No! No! If you're true, and, and I might question this man's salvation, but when you're truly born again, as the scripture says, you're not going to be ashamed of confessing before me. If the people that are religious and are, are conformed to the church that have a problem. And I'm sorry, I'm so glad I used to hear this man say we're a rerun church. Because I got a rerun here. It's like when I was up at ASU Newport, lady sitting in front of me, an elderly lady, she, and I, could, I said, I thought, are you feeling? She said, no, I think I might be having a stroke. She said, Brother Jackson, you know, aren't you a Christian? I said, yes, man. She said, could you pray for me? So I get up. I walk around. And she said, what are you doing, John? I said, you said you need a prayer. Well, I don't want to get in trouble here in school. I said, I don't care. That's I got on my knees like that, and guess what? Two or three other people come up there. Yeah. Yeah. We laid hands. Yeah. The, the instructor walked through the door and stopped. We pray for that lady. If they would have, I wish they had kicked me out of that school. Amen. Not saying that to brag on myself. I said, because see, there was a time I wouldn't have. You know, I said, when you're truly born again, you're converted. That's right. I used to be a drinker. You know, some people, when certain people come up, they want to put their, oh, no, no. What I did, I wasn't ashamed of who I was. I was ashamed of what I did. And I brought that with me in Christianity. If I could be proud of being this, I can sure be proud of now of being this. Amen. And this, this message that we're teaching right now, that I'm trying to teach, how is our salvation connected to being born again? Once again, it's the most natural thing. 
We all know when a baby's born is completely dependent. That's right. When that new person comes to Christ. This is where the church has failed. I'm not talking about the church. I'm not just talking about us. But I am talking about us. Sister Sue talked about this morning. How, why aren't we teaching our children this what we used to? Why isn't the church doing this anymore? But the same way, we, yes, we should teach our children. But what about new believers? Amen. Are they not considered babes in Christ? Is that new believer not as helpless? Oh, we tell them, we get someone, someone comes to church, they get saved. Okay, read your Bible, pray, come to church. Did we ever once consider they may not know how? Amen. Amen. That's up to us to teach that person. Where is discipleship? We think, thank you, Lord, I won't say it that way. But should we not, if these people are based in Christ, the new believers are based in Christ, this is where the natural gets confusing. This is why I think the church has such a problem with truly teaching the born-again experience. Yes, children all mature at different ages. But so do believers. Amen. But what's sad, a believer can stay just as a baby in Christ for 50 years. And I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about spiritual maturity. So I'm going to make a bold statement because if you were sincere when you invited Christ into your heart and you've done your best to live according to his word, that doesn't mean you're going to mature and you're going to grow in grace and knowledge. That may be my opinion and I may be completely wrong. But let's get back to this natural birth. It's natural for children to learn. As I shared with you before, when I first, I'm luckily, I've always been an avid reader. And when I first got saved, I devoured God's Word. I couldn't get enough of it. <clears throat> Guess what? And I would have pretty good memory then. I got to where I could quote scripture. I could, John, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? Guess what John did? What John naturally does? He got proud of himself. I got a little puffed up. And, yeah, I'm going I'm to confess it. I'm a little bit braggadocious. Because when I think of my past and what I came out of, I feel I have the right. I feel I have the right to. But guess what now? And within a few years, I struggle with scripture memorization now. Yeah, I need to go and find it. And I truly believe, because of my haughtiness, God knocked me down tonight. I could be wrong on that. It's just that's for me. But I was. It was, I, it was so noticeable, the change in me. But in the same respect, it, was, it worked against me. So I had to back up take a step. Because just like our children, babies are totally dependent. You've got to do everything for them. They get a little bigger, you start teaching the right thing to do. Then they get a little bit older, well, you've got to start, you start correcting them to make sure they do the right thing. Same thing with us. I'm a 41-year-old man and got, got a severe whipping from the Lord. I wish he, I'm going to be honest, sometimes I wish he'd do a little more. But he wants us to think about it. What glory is there? How many of you have told your kids, if you don't do this, you're going to be right, you're going to lose whatever. And they go ahead and do it. You thank them. But how many of you went home and your kids done something Without being told, how much better did it make you feel? Which experience made you feel better when they did this on their own? 
I think God's the same way. If God had to force us to do everything, what glory would there be in for? That's right. Would we really? Yeah, God could. God could force us, force us to do anything. There wouldn't be any glory in for him. Because you're not doing it for, for why. You're not doing it out of love. That we talked about this morning. And, and, and once again, faith in Christ. Verse 3 I'm in Matthew 18. And said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted or transformed and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. That term little children, it just simply means you give, let me just, yeah, I'm going to say it this way. It, we're not talking about helplessness. You know, a child, you know, that's, a child you can only trust them so far. Oh, we really get some so get some agreement here. Same way when we're just based in Christ, that's like why do you think Paul instructed Timothy not to raise up a novel too soon? You can't trust a young Christian no different than you like you wouldn't give a, a three year old expect three year old going to cook a meal. A little bit older, yeah. Same way, we should not entrust a new believer with too much. You can't just throw them out there. That's what the church does. Okay, let's look around. You know, I said something critical. Youth group, and I understand, and I the powerless workers. The church spends so much time, energy, and effort on youth group. Then they go, then they get into high school. Turn 18. What happens? Especially if they go off to little college. You can encourage them. But where is the... And, and I understand in, in a, a small church, you can't have a separate young adult. But that's where you're, you're bringing them. That's where the sidekick comes in. And I know I'm speaking in circles. I, I apologize for that. But why? What is... When Jesus brought this little child in here, let me do it this way. Most children, because I grew up in the fruit camp, black, Mexican, you know, just during the week, we, you know, we worked. When the work day was over, guess what boys do? We went out behind the barn. Guess what boys do? Especially if you're my age, they fight. But there was no hatred. There was, there was no animosity. We just thought we understood each other. Children are naturally get along if parents don't intervene. Every person, like I'm my best friend now, we've been friends since second grade. How'd we meet? He beat me up. He's a big old boy, he beat me up. I was the new kid in school, he was the big kid on the playground, he beat me up. The next day, I tried to beat him up, didn't work. And we've been friends since second grade. There was no hatred, there was no animosity, there's no world of desire. That's what we have to come and, and, and trust. Unless you're the little child. Come here. I, I got to do this. LJ, come here. I'm sorry. The Lord really put this on my heart. We're going to see how much LJ trusts. He knows what I'm going to do. Turn around. <laughs> trust me, Paul. That's trust, <laughs> That's trust. We 
truck. He was a little nervous. What, what, you know why he was nervous? He thought this old man would be okay. But ladies and gentlemen, are we truly like that with the Lord? Are we truly like that with the church? We talk a lot in this church about we're glad to have a loving family. I'm going to be honest. If you ask me to pray, I'm going to pray right then because I'm probably not going to remember it when I get home. I'm just going to be honest with you. And yes, every morning and every night, I pray for my church family. Why? Because, I'm sorry, like this brother and sister, they've been coming for a while. I don't know their name. They told me their name, but I can't remember their name. I have a weakness on that. I've worked at my job now for almost a year. I know the name. And there's eight people I work with every day. I know two names. So, Sister Rebecca and Brother Troy. Right. 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 That, <laughs> sorry about that, Pastor. <laughs> but the point is, why is salvation known as being born again? Because you're a new creation. You're not going to do things the same way. And a, and a baby is going to take in what any child is going to take in what they're given. You know, I've made the statement before. I'm glad. No, I'll be afraid. That's not really true. And, you know, most of you that are record here, you know, I know that I didn't grow up in church. I've shared it many times. I didn't grow up in church. Did not grow up in a religious family. Knew nothing of the Bible. Except that Jesus was the Son of God. And they're about the Ten Commandments because it's on TV every year. But I do say in one way I'm glad. Because when I started studying the Word, guess what? I didn't have to unlearn a lot of stuff. And I just heard a well-known. I've always felt that. And I always kind of questioned it. Because when I started studying this Word, I go from the standpoint of what's it saying. I don't look at it from Because as a Church of Christ theologian told me, he said, John, the church of Christ is never going to change until we get outsiders to come in. Because if you were raised, even if you were raised in a certain denomination, I'm sorry, some of you may disagree with me, but every one of them has something a little different. The church of God is a little bit different than the, than the sin they got. Simple fact to prove it, one time they were one organization. Now they're split. And I just heard recently, I, got, I feel validated. I heard a well-known minister, worldwide minister. If I say his name, everyone of you would know him, probably enjoy his teaching. He said, I had to, when I first, I got to a point in my life where I had to completely unlearn everything I learned as a youth. I, God showed me why I was not going any further. Because I was doing things the way I was taught, not the way the Word says. And this is the man God used to build a worldwide mission, was man enough to admit it. And his broadcast was all over the world. And yes, I got excited, I felt validated. So no matter what, if you sit under certain teaching, it's, and, and especially if you're really sincere, you love the Lord, and you sit under wrong teaching, that's going to become part of you. If you teach your children wrong, that's going to become part of them. Right. They're going to have to unlearn. That's why when we're saying, when we accept salvation, we're born again because we have to start fresh. Why do you think New Year's is represented as a baby? 
the baby new year. Not, we got a whole new 355 babies that are different. Because that's what a baby you can do as a baby. You take a child older, it's hard you've got to unlearn things. You take a child out of an abusive situation, it's going to be hard for that child to trust. And you take a child that's always been loved and nurtured and that could depend on the adults around them, it's going to be easier to teach that child. Is it? Am I not wrong for caring? It's hard to teach children that can't trust. It's hard to teach adults that can't trust. The more abuse you experience, the harder it's going to be for you to trust. So why is our salvation experience being born again? Because once we are truly born again, everything's new, everything's fresh. We have everything we need. Brother John mentioned this morning. Yes, when we're born again, when our name is written that land book up, everything we need to live victorious is there. But it takes us time to learn it. Just as that new baby can't do anything, just as that toddler can do a little bit, just as that eight, nine-year-old can do a little bit more, just as that teenager thinks they can do everything, but they can't. <laughs> Young Christians are the same way. That's why the born-again experience is so important. That's why we need to understand it clearly. When a person gets saved, they're babies. And I will look at one other place. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 3. This is where an unfortunate and probably too much of the church is at. First Corinthians, for the sake of time, I'm going to go ahead and read it. Y'all have to trust I read it right. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye. Paul was writing to a church. He was writing to believers in Christ. That's he was writing to born-again people. That's right. And he clearly says, I would like to give you meat. You know, you wouldn't throw a baby in that crazy old T-bone in there. There you go, kid. In the same respect, you're not going to be very healthy. And this is where the church is if all you do is drink milk. That's right. I'm going to make a terrible analogy. How many here like veal? Probably not too much around here, but... You know why I won't eat veal? You know how they raise veal? They take a calf and put it in a little small enclosure, feed it nothing but milk. It makes the meat just real solid. Guess what? If you're a follower of Christ, yes, you may be saved, but if all you do is take milk in, guess what? You're going to be soft, and the first wind that comes along, you're going to be gone. How many have known a young, someone that was sincere, but they stumbled in this little while? Because they were never trained. They were never taught. As I heard someone once say, well, I'm saved now. I don't have any more problems. Uh, you know, you've got problems. Yes. So, why is our salvation experience referred to as being born again? Again, being born at birth is the most natural thing in, in, his, in, 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 the, in creation. All of us. At one point or another in our life, it's going to experience. Most of us are, our parents have seen first of all. Even these kids, they've seen little brothers grow up. They've seen cousins and uncles grow up. They've seen that helpless baby. They've seen when their toddlers start getting in their stuff. Then they said they get older and they start taking their stuff. So 
it's the most natural thing that we can observe because examples of the natural birth process all around us, the, the examples of growing, is natural, as I said, for Jesus to be the sacrament, even though he lived this life sinless, was God. For God to redeem us, he had to send his son to be born and, and to grow, to be transformed to a human. Because he was not human until he was born. He grew as a helpless child into a toddler, into a young adult. He learned what it was like to be human. See, God has no concept of humanity. Why do you think Jesus is making intercession for us? Right. All God looks at is our sin. So why is it important that we understand that being born again just simply means when you're born again, it's more than your name being written. Yes, I was thankful that day that my name was written. But I'm even more thankful that I was blessed with the ability to learn, with the desire to learn. But ladies and gentlemen, not every new believer is. If you've never been a reader, guess what? You're probably not going to read this either. Unless you're encouraged, unless you're taught, unless you're strengthened. So why is our salvation experience known as born again? Because we have to realize, just as we grew into it, we got to understand, young new believers have to grow into it, and the church has failed to recognize that. We get people saved, even the youth group. They come out, once they get 18, go to the adult class. No more, no more activities, no more special treatment. <clears throat> and I'm not just talking about the church. Parents are the same way. Can't wait till they turn 18 so they'll leave. Don't always work out that way. Yeah. <laughs> Don't always work out that way, does it, brother? But it's the same way as the church. We have to acknowledge that we're... And unfortunately, in the natural, and I'm going to close on a negative note, unfortunately, since this birth process is so natural, in the same respect, doesn't mean it's going to happen. Because I know 40 year olds that are just as immature as 15 year olds. As I shared, and this is this woman's own testimony. She said, You know, shame, I have served the Lord faithfully for 35 years. And she said, I know very little of the Bible. Within church, every week, every time the door is open. Guess where her Bible stayed all week? And on her pew. And she admitted it. She said, The only time I open it when I come to church. Because the bottom line, this was before that she said, I just, I'm sorry, I don't have a desire to read the Bible. You think she's by herself? <clears throat> this man, his own testimony, he used his inability to read for years <clears throat> to keep from answering his calling. But when you answer it, what happened? You learned to read, didn't you? So, why is our salvation experience known? Because it should be the most natural thing in the world. And when we accept Christ, we're, we've got a clean slate. We can grow, but just as those children different, need different amounts of encouragement, different amounts of instruction, just amounts of nourishment, new believers are the same way. So, if we really want to see our church grow, 
and the kingdom of God grow? Pour into a young new believer. 